Hello and welcome to the AdNote Podcast, the podcast for the Adelaide.net user group. I'm your host, David Gardner. This is the second recording from our March 2019 meeting, building rich cross-platform applications with WebAssembly and Uno platform, with David Oliver. And now, over to the presentation. Applications. Uh, basically, the first part of the presentation, I'm going to explain WebAssembly, uh, go through what it is, why it's interesting, and the second part is going to be talking about Uno platform, how you can use it to build uh, apps for multiple platforms, including for the web, using WebAssembly. Uh, so, before I go further, quick poll, uh, three questions. Firstly, who has used XAML in some form? Okay, lots of people. Uh, who has heard of WebAssembly web already? Uh, a lot of people have heard of it, that's great. Uh, people have heard of Xamarin? Is anyone a Xamarin developer? Okay, a couple of people. So everyone should follow along perfectly. So what is WebAssembly? Uh, it's a relatively new technology. It dates back about three years, three or four years now. Um, to start in technical terms, it's a low-level bytecode built for the web. So on the left there is, on your right, sorry, is actual WebAssembly. Uh, you can see it's not particularly human-readable. It's not intended to be. Uh, it's a binary format, and it also has a text representation. It's it's a standard the, the defined by the, the World Wide Web Consortium, uh, and it's essentially developed in collaboration by the major browsers. Uh, From a developer's point of view, WebAssembly is a compilation target. So you're not going to sit down and tap out some WebAssembly most of the time. Just like mostly you don't sit down and tap out intermediate language. So you you write your code in your language of choice, and most of the major languages have some implementation now that that supports compiling to WebAssembly. And then you select select that as a compilation target as you would select the x86 architecture, for example. Uh, and uh, at the moment, all major browsers, if they're up to date, support WebAssembly. And that's, that applies whether you're on uh, desktop or on mobile. So what are the advantages of WebAssembly? What's uh, those strings you look at, was that WebAssembly or was that a string representation of WebAssembly? That's a, that's a string representation since it's a binary format. Yeah. Uh, so one selling point of WebAssembly is that it allows performance improvements that that JavaScript doesn't really enable it. I should make clear at this point that, that WebAssembly runs essentially in the same engine uh, that JavaScript is running in, in the browser. So it's not it's not transpiling to JavaScript. It's not 
calling JavaScript with one caveat that I'll get into later. It's it's really running directly on the CPU. So so there are various performance improvements that that moving to WebAssembly opens up. One example, uh, streaming compilation. So at the moment, if if you request a web page, uh, it starts downloading the JavaScript. It uh, the your browser can start parsing the JavaScript uh, before the download of the the code has finished, but it can't actually compile the JavaScript until the parsing is complete and until all the download is complete. Uh, by con contrast, what WebAssembly is promising is uh, incremental decoding and compilation. So basically, as soon as it's got some code to work on, it can start compiling. That's, that's the way that the, the language has been designed. So it, in theory, it should offer uh, faster start times. That's this is one one thing that they're they're promising with WebAssembly. Uh, these are also threads, by the way, so so you can decode and compile the, the WebAssembly on multiple threads, whereas uh, JavaScript you're you're passing on one thread and then you need to compile back on the main thread. Um, it's a multi-language approach to the web, as I as I said, as I alluded to earlier. So instead of being restric restricted to JavaScript, you can now basically pick the language that you like and make make a web application with it. Um, what was I going to say? No. Can't think of it. Um, one big thing about WebAssembly uh, versus other approaches to to using different tech stacks inside the browser is that it's not a plugin. Uh, it's running in the same same sandbox essentially as JavaScript. So you're not you're not in the situation that eventually that it ultimately killed Flash and Silver Silverlight and other add-ins that that you're running in a context where you can execute arbitrary code. So so it's as secure as, as JavaScript. Uh, that's that's why WebAssembly WebAssembly is exciting. What's happening with WebAssembly? So there are various large mature code bases that have been ported to, to WebAssembly. So AutoCAD has been ported to WebAssembly. Uh, Emacs has been ported to WebAssembly. You can, you can uh, run Emacs via WebAssembly in your browser. Unity, the uh, game development framework, was one of the first things to be ported. And last, and also probably least, Windows 2000 has been ported to WebAssembly. So that brings me to the first demo. So, I think 
For some people in the room, this might be nostalgic. For some people, this this might not mean anything at all. Uh, it may also be a bit slow. So this is uh, essentially somebody has dug up a disk image of Windows 2000. I'm sure how fast it's going to load, actually. I'm not right, here we go. <laughs> right, right, but it's it's got to download the... Uh, Exactly. Yes. yes. <laughs> so somebody's somebody's taken Windows 2000, got it running on a x86 emulator, which is running locally in the browser in WebAssembly. Could you run a browser inside? I did. I did try starting Firefox inside the inside. When it eventually loads, it never responded. I don't know if I just didn't wait long enough. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> here we go. Familiar screen. Preparing network. And there's there's various other of these as well that uh, the same person has put up so you can run various flavors of Linux as well. Not not to any great purpose, but it's kind of fun. See, <coughs> eventually it loads. Got the old school start button. List eventually, so you could say it's not it's not fast, but <laughs> it's running in a browser on my crappy laptop. It's reasonably impressive. You can open up. How much RAM is crappy? Yeah, that's an excellent question. Uh, 700 megs is selling at the moment. Oh, too bad. Okay. So I think we'll move on. So... WebAssembly is not just confined to the web. Uh, some people have quipped that it's, in fact, neither web nor assembly. So, for instance, people have gotten excited about using this for smart contracts. So there's a proposal to write a, a WebAssembly virtual machine for, for the Ethereum blockchain. So then you could write a smart contract in whatever language you like, essentially, that, that compiles the WebAssembly and then then it's running on the blockchain. Um, there's a web assembly for .NET uh, NuGet package already that lets you create and execute uh, WASM web assemblies. WASM is a common uh, acronym, I should 
or abbreviation, uh, was a module in, from a .NET application. Uh, one thing that's uh, landed very recently, I think, in the past three months or so, is Wasmer, which essentially takes WebAssembly out of the browser. At the moment, I think they support Linux, Mac, and, and Windows PC, and they let, let you run a Wasm binary on any of those platforms. So the, the dream is what they're calling a universal binary, that you would have your binary and you can run it where if you wanted. So, like broadly speaking, some people are getting excited and betting that WebAssembly is going to be kind of a, a universal bytecode. So that make MPM the gatekeeper? Gatekeeper <laughs> <laughs> of all? Yeah, potentially, yeah. <laughs> so WebAssembly is running under a, what's your operating system that you're running now? This right now? Yeah, so WebAssembly is running on an operating system of some sort, or is it that if you... Is this the operating system? Uh, the sample I showed, showed you before was running in the uh, in Chrome, so it's it's running inside Chrome's engine, basically. Uh, which is in Windows 10. In Windows like 10, yeah. Okay. yeah. So then you're running an operating system within Assembly, within Chrome, within Windows 10. Exactly. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. What would you want to do? <laughs> 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 because you can, basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, as I've said, uh, the code that you write compiles down to WebAssembly, uh, which in the browser is running directly on the CPU, like JavaScript does. Uh, at the moment, if you want to uh, manipulate the DOM, if you want to manipulate HTML or access browser APIs, you can't do that directly from WebAssembly. So you need, right now, JavaScript interrupt to to basically draw a web page. So that's, that's one uh, current limitation of WebAssembly, which essentially stems from the fact that it's still very young. Uh, it was announced mid-2015 uh, the minimum viable product was completed in March 2017. Uh, it was uh, supported in all in the main browsers by November 2017. Um, I think people who are familiar with the introduction of new web standards will agree that that's extremely rapid progress for for all of the browser vendors to agree upon a standard and to actually implement it. Um, the Mono, so probably everyone knows, but Mono is the, the open source uh, cross-platform implementation of .NET. Uh, the Mono uh, implementation running WebAssembly, I think it was announced mid-2017, uh, experimental release early 2018, and it's been under pretty active development, and it's progressed rapidly since early 2018. So, uh, <coughs> excuse me. So the way running a, a .NET program in WebAssembly works is that you you write your C sharp or your F sharp code as per usual. It compiles down to IL. 
um, that that runs in the mono runtime, and the mono runtime is compiled for WebAssembly. So at the moment, if you if you download a web page that's that's running a, a .NET application via Wasm, it will download a single Wasm module that is the mono runtime, and it will download the the DLLs for that page as well, and they will be run by the the mono runtime. And then you can access JavaScript from uh, from your application, from your .NET application, to to manipulate the DLM or whatever you want to do. So that brings us to the to the UI. Uh, that's all the low level stuff. So what if I actually want to make a web page using WebAssembly and .NET? What what UI options do I have? So obviously. It's still very new stuff. There are a few options emerging. Uh, Microsoft's project is Blazor, which, as David mentioned, it is on the on the book for for next month. I will not miss it, unfortunately. Um, it's essentially based on the Razor templating engine for ASP.NET, which, as I as I understand it, I haven't used it personally yet, but it allows you to to mix HTML <coughs> and C-sharp in, in a template for a website. So basically, uh, I've put HTML native in the title of the slide. You're, you're writing HTML, and then that's used to create the page. Uh, one approach uh, is to skip HTML completely, basically just have a canvas element on the page and dump pixels to the canvas. So that, for instance, is the approach taken by the by the port of Qt for Wasm. So Qt is a, a UI toolkit that's been around forever, uh, still used quite a bit on Linux, and it was ported. Uh, Pretty early on for WebAssembly. I'll try and get the sample running now. Uh, let me exit the presentation so you can see it. Not sure what the, the wireless speed here is. So it's downloading the, the WebAssembly right now and then it's it's going to open the, the actual sample. So this, I have no idea what it is. It's a, an input form of some sort. It seems like you can, uh, can send messages. But you can see you've got, you've got UI elements. You've got text entry fields. You've got buttons. You've got a little log window. Uh, so one one thing about this approach of just dumping pixels is that you get something that doesn't look like a web page. This, I mean, this kind of looks like a Linux app running inside your browser, essentially. So and you don't get stuff, for instance, like text selection. So the the advantage of this approach is that it's relatively easy 
to, to implement. Qt could take most of their existing code base and compile it for WebAssembly. Uh, the downside is you lose that, that kind of native browser feel. Uh, the third approach. <coughs> is what I've dubbed HTML rendering. So uh, so in this case, we're, we're creating HTML, but you, the, the app developer, you're not writing HTML. So on the left here, this is XAML, which everyone recognizes. Uh, and on the right, this is what's uh, the UNO platform, which I'm about to tell you about, is translating that to in terms of HTML. So, so you can see here we've got a, a text block inside of a stack panel. Uh, text, the stack panel is a, a div element, and the, the text block is just a paragraph element. And that's the approach taken by, by UNO and also by another uh, project called UI, which has a similar approach running on top of .NET, uh, translating XAML into HTML. It's using a, a different dialect of XAML, you would say. It's using a Xamarin forms uh, XAML. But let me talk about Uno now. Um, so Uno, the development of Uno was motivated by the challenges of, of cross-platform application development. And the challenge in a nutshell is that there's lots of platforms. So if, you, if you're developing a mobile app, you'll typically very often develop for iOS and Android. A lot of the time you've got a, a website which, which duplicates much or all of the functionality for people who, who won't or can't download the app. Uh, and each of those platforms has a different tech stack, essentially. So JavaScript for the web, Java or Kotlin for Android, Objective-C or Swift for iOS, etc., etc. And basically, you have to write your app n many times, where n is the number of platforms you're supporting, which is costly in terms of time. It also means you've got different groups of developers who can't necessarily necessarily share their expertise. So, so there's a pretty clear motivation for having a, a framework which allows you to write an application once, build it to every platform you want. Uh, that approach obviously is not without challenges of its own. Uh, there's the challenge of accessing features that are specific to a particular platform and don't perhaps lend themselves very easily to a high-level abstraction like we're talking about. Um, there's, there's always a tension, which is not specific to, to using a, a, a cross-platform framework, but there's a tension between having an app that has a consistent look and feel across all devices versus an app that uses the idioms for a particular platform. So, for instance, uh, the hamburger menu on, on Android. Uh, performance is 
always a challenge with a cross-platform framework because you're a lot of the time, well, most of the time adding on a, an extra layer. Uh, you've got also problems like supporting different form factors across different types of devices, stuff like that. Uh, nonetheless, it's worth it. Uh, we developed the, the Uno platform for iOS and Android development. So basically, we wanted we wanted to be able to uh, build apps using Microsoft's toolchain, which is an amazing toolchain, and be able to run them on iOS and Android. So. What it is is a port of the the UWP uh, API, which is if you're familiar with WPF, UWP is basically the latest iteration, which which uh, runs on Windows 10, also ran on Windows Phone. RIP. Um, uh, the, the, so the Uno platform, the the code is written in C sharp mostly. Uh, we've been using it for several years now. For iOS and Android uh, apps, we've got a number of production apps, which unfortunately are mostly not available in the Australian App Store. Um, so it's a it's a fairly mature production tested framework for iOS and Android. Uh, in early 2018, when the Mono uh, WebAssembly support started taking off. We added WebAssembly support to Uno, and in May 2018, we we publicly released the the framework, made it open source, made it free. So so it's free, it's open source. You can download it, you can make apps with it. Uh, and most recently in October, I think we added kind of. Very early support for for uh, compiling to Mac OS as well. Um, I'm going to leap into the technical demonstration just because it takes a while for things to compile on this laptop, and I'll continue the, the discussion. So, okay. So if you want to build an Uno application. You need Visual Studio 2017. Uh, you can go to the Visual Studio Marketplace, search for Uno, and you can download the Uno platform solution templates, uh, which, as the name suggests, gives you a, a solution template for creating a new Uno app targeting UWP, iOS, Android, and WebAssembly. So, so as I said, if I so if I go to the create a new project dialog in Visual Studio, search for Uno. I've got, already got the templates installed. I can either I can either create a an actual app or a, a DLL library. So uh, 
essentially a view library which I could use in a, a different app. Uh, here's one I made earlier. Uh, I'm going to start by showing you uh, what it looks like in UWP, or in other words, running locally, just for anyone who hasn't seen what what the tooling looks like at the moment. So I've got kind of a bare bones view here in demo. I've got a, a grid, a stack panel inside, and a text block inside of that. Uh, so I'm also going to while we wait, show you the the solution structure. So you can see that there's a, a separate project for each platform that we're targeting. So UWP wasn't my own anyway. And there's a shared project, and this is where essentially all the the views and the business logic for your app go. Still going. So so what's happening under the hood? Uh, for Windows, it's just using the, the UWP tooling from Microsoft. Uh, for iOS and Android, it's using Xamarin to, to access the, the native UI frameworks and creating uh, native views and accessing non-visual native APIs like uh, storage, push notifications, stuff like that. And on <coughs> Uh, uh, on WebAssembly in the browser, it's it's basically making JavaScript calls to to manipulate the DOM, uh, and ultimately it's all running in the Mono runtime on those platforms. Uh, so it's built. So here's our code. Here's our app. And see our hello world. Uh, the really nice thing about the the tooling is the live edit functionality. So, in essence, I can add new uh, elements to the visual tree and see them show up. So. If I tab over, I can see that now I put my my button there. Uh, I could add a slider, for instance. And give it a name. So now we've got a little slider. We can add another text block and. Bind it to the uh, 
to the value of the slider. And you can see I've got the uh, IntelliSense here for everything I'm doing. <coughs> so now you can see I've got the text block down the down the bottom here that's bound to the the value of my slider. Uh, so the the live edit is really handy for whenever you're making tweaks to your apps. Look, the sort of thing where you really just want to change a little thing and see how it looks. You don't have to reload every time you do it. Um, so that's internally at, at Inventive, we, we really emphasize a, a Windows-first development approach. So building on Windows, getting everything perfect there, and then uh, running on Android and iOS and making sure everything's working. So speaking of Android, I'm going to try and run it now in my my emulator. Um, is that a, a click handler to this button? It's going to take a while, so I'm going to switch back to the talk. So this is uh, this just give you a sense of how it works. These are on the on the left is the the UWP API. Uh, so there's the the ubiquitous text block, and as a non-visual example, there's the setting storage, and on the right is what what they're mapping to for each platform. So if you if you've done native development on on any of those platforms, that will mean something to you. If if not, it won't. But but essentially, we're we're leaning on the the native UI frameworks and the the native uh, APIs for implementing the the UWP API. Uh, So these are all production apps that we've built for iOS and Android. Really not. So yeah, see what they look like in motion. This works. Yeah. So so you can see you've got you can build fairly rich. APIs for the platform. And if, if browser apps or cross-platform apps, are you using the browser or uh, cross yeah, your Android? Your, um, These are running on iOS and Android. Right. Yeah. So we haven't uh, released any production apps with uh, WebAssembly yet. The WebAssembly stuff is still in an uh, experimental stage, partly because the, the mono support is still pretty experimental at this stage as well. Um, 
So in terms of uh, the, the XAML, UWP API supports most of what you would expect. So control templating, data templating, styles, uh, animations and storyboards, uh, data binding is thoroughly supported. So you, you can build a model view, view model app, uh, shapes, brushes, or image brush, gradient brush, stuff like that. Uh, you can write conditional XAML, so if you want to restrict uh, part of your visual tree to only show on a specific platform, you can do that. Uh, you can also embed native controls in the, in the visual tree. So if you've got, for instance, uh, perhaps a video player that's coming from a third-party iOS library, you can, you can stick that inside of a stack panel. So that's that's something we like to have kind of as an escape hatch if there's ever something that the, the framework doesn't offer for a specific platform. Um, let me see if it's built. Okay. So... So our app now is up and running on uh, Android. Because it's the uh, same thing as before that we were seeing on Windows. Uh, and just for anyone who's not familiar with uh, Xamarin, it's for mm -hmm. iOS and Android, it's a pretty mature and, and nice debugging experience. So for instance, if we stick a a breakpoint here if it's going to let me. We can hit that breakpoint. We can inspect local variables. We can add logging, all that sort of stuff. So uh, we'll stop that. I'm going to kill the emulator because it takes up a lot of uh, resources. Uh, so finally I'm going to run the WebAssembly head. So up until a couple of months ago uh, running WebAssembly was a we you know was a fairly painful process where you have to have a Linux subsystem installed and set up your own mini server. Now, happily, it's just a matter of control F5. And waiting. So since we're implementing the, so we're we're exposing the entire API surface of UWP. That's the parts of it that we've implemented, and parts of that that are just stubs that have been uh, generated based on the the, the UWP DLLs. 
So that means that we can easily take third-party libraries that target UWP and get them running on Uno. So those are some of the uh, the third-party, the popular third-party libraries that, that we've got up and running. So uh, Windows dot Windows Community Toolkit is an open source Microsoft uh, package that contains a lot of views that essentially extend the, the visual framework. And then you've got stuff like uh, Prism, Reactive UI, Reactive UI and MVVM toolkit that are essentially uh, presentation layer packages. You've got uh, Rx.net. Uh, we can check out some third-party samples while Uno is building. So these are existing websites. So this is an interesting uh, smaller project which kind of captures the unique capabilities of WebAssembly. So this is a so the UI here is built with Uno, but the, the really interesting part here is that uh, we're running Roslyn here in WebAssembly. Uh, you can, I can see you can see I've got a simple uh, set of code here. We've got a few classes. Uh, we're creating a database with SQLite. And it's just adding an entry to that database and then reading out what's in the database. Uh, but the interesting thing here is that it's compiling the code in Roslyn and it's doing it all locally. So the the code is not going to a server; it's just being compiled straight in the the browser. So. So we can see the output there. Uh, we've got one blog in our database. We can see if we change this now to add a different blog. So let's say Adelaide.net user group. <coughs> ah. So that's, that's our Uno app loading. So we can see right now that uh, we've got both the one we added before and the, <coughs> the new one. And if we 
if we refresh the page and run it again, we're actually we're going to get three uh, entries in it. In other words, the the database is being cached locally. So this is our Uno app. You can see, it looks the same, which is what we want. We've got the the button, the the slider, the text block. Um, up until recently, there was no debugging support in in uh, WebAssembly with Mono. So you're basically restricted to console.writeLine for figuring out what was going on with your program. Um, very recently, there's now debugging support in Chrome. So if you enable debugging in the project, you can open up the Chrome Dev Console, see your C-sharp code and stick breakpoints in there. Uh, it's really cool. Unfortunately, it's also still really brittle. Uh, when I tried it, I got the debugging working, but it also broke the slider and the button, which is uh, apparently a mono bug that needs to be fixed. So it also makes it even slower, so I haven't demoed it in this case, but I would be happy to show anyone after who's interested. Um, Yeah, I think that's all I wanted to tell. No, there's a couple more things. So, if you want to check out more of Uno, uh, there's the Uno Playground website, which has a lot of samples, and it also uh, gives you a interactive editor so you can change the XAML, change the underlying view model and see what's happening, see what see what it looks like. Um, you can also download the Uno Gallery app, which is some of the same samples running on uh, Android, uh, iOS, and also I think it's available on the Windows 10 store just to see what it looks like in Windows. Um, you can check out the, the source code on GitHub. I highly invite you to do so. Uh, and just to end with a kind of looking to the future post, talking about what's on the, the kind of near to midterm roadmap for WebAssembly, since it's still under uh, rapid and active development. So one thing they're planning to add is some sort of native support in WebAssembly for garbage collection, which would obviously benefit garbage collected at uh, runtimes like .NET. Uh, as I understand it, it would allow for smaller binaries and probably performance improvements. Uh, host binding support, what, what that means is that you won't have to go through JavaScript to, to manipulate the DOM. So, so that would be a big performance win, obviously, for Uno to eliminate all that, that interrupt going back and forth from JavaScript. Uh, Threading, uh, there's plans to add threading. Currently, WebAssembly is sim-threaded, the uh, same as JavaScript is. And SIMD supports that single instruction, multiple data. The the main selling point is for SIMD is for uh, kind of floating point, kind of number crunching stuff. But it would also, I was interested to, to discover, enable compiler optimization. So 
the LLVM uh, compiler, which is part of the toolchain, can use that to do something called vectorization, which I don't claim to understand, but it apparently can speed up stuff like uh, generics. Uh, that is it. So, uh, HTTPs, contact information. Uh, thank you very much for your time. You said that uh, the Android and iOS is running on Xamarin. Yep. So in many ways, this is a competitor with Xamarin Forms. I assume it predates it, or it's around the same time it's being developed. I think okay. it was, as I understand it, this is before my time at the company as well, but I think Uno was in development before Forms was publicly released, yeah. yeah. And it's kind of, I mean, uh, Xamarin Forms kind of takes a different approach, so it's its own dialect of, of XAML. Um, basically, at, at, at the time, I think, when we, when we would have been considering switching to it, it still didn't have very good support for kind of rich UI scenarios, like, like animations, uh, rich styling, stuff like that. But yeah, it's, it's, it's similar to Xamarin form, so. Out of interest, um, so how big is so when you when you compile to Wasm, etc., and that starter app you've got, how big is that going over the wire for the, the web version? Uh, that's an excellent question. It doesn't mean exactly. Okay. Yeah, it's. I think uh, I'm worried. I'm completely lying to you, but I think for the current, so. I'm going to have to give you a back, bit of backstory, which I probably should have mentioned in the talk. So there's currently three different modes in which Mono can run in WebAssembly. So, so normal just-in-time compilation doesn't work in WebAssembly because of the security model, essentially. You can't execute arbitrary code. It's, it's similar to iOS in that respect. So the first... The first mode of mono they really worked on was the interpreted mode, which uh, had fairly small sizes. I'm going to say around 10 megs, at a very wild guess for what I showed you, uh, but but was very slow. So it's about a hundred times slow down relative to to running on a uh, normal JT mode. Uh, the eventual solution is AOT, ahead of time compilation. Um, that's, that at the moment is still even more experimental than the other modes, so there's still, it kind of runs into bugs with like particular, uh, paths, like, like particular combinations of, um, like reference types and generics, stuff like that. Uh, it also has very large binaries at the moment, so I think in the hundreds of megabytes. So they they should be able to bring that down, but that's that's still not there yet. Um, one thing that's interesting is the mixed mode, which is using the interpreted mode for no, it's using AO, AOT for kind of the hot paths, 
that really are the bottleneck for performance and using interpreter for everything else. So in, in principle, you might be able to have uh, like a win-win of good performance but also small binaries. But yeah, I mean, there's always going to be some... Like you're always going to have to download the run, the mono runtime, but you also will probably be able to case that for a subsequent request. So, yep. what I missed this at the beginning is it free? Is it open source? It's free and it's open source. Yeah. Um, can you explain how someone might go about building a custom component that um, that needs to support all the different targets? Yeah, right. So, like a custom visual component, yeah. for example? Right. So, um, you might have seen earlier that there was a, a template for creating a, a DLL library. So, uh, so you could use that to create your solution. You, I mean, normally in UWP or other dialects, well, or WPF Silverlight similar dialects of XAML, you uh, define the you can define the visual look of your control in in XAML, which is what XAML is defined for, and you can kind of define define the more behavioral aspect aspects of the control in C sharp. Um, basically, uh, you do that, you build it. And it creates a, it will create a DLL for each of those, tar, uh, each of those targets, each of those platforms, and you use the DLL for the specific platform, and you can build a, a NuGet package that you can just install in each, each head essentially. Yeah. Uh, do, you, yep. do you still have to do an Xcode build for iOS while you can't get around? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. That's. I mean. That's. That's kind of a limitation you stuck with, yeah. Yeah. What's the performance like in comparison to something like Flutter? What sort of some of the benefits over Yeah, good question. So, Flutter differs in that it's not using the the native UI frameworks. It's basically leaning on the low-level rendering engine on each platform and drawing all of its own widgets. Um, I think. The main differences is that the install the binary size is somewhat larger because you, you need the the runtime um, and the startup time is somewhat slower because you need to start up the runtime. Um, I think once once your app is actually running, the the performance is comparable. But yeah, that's those are costs that you that you pay. Yeah. So what's, what's your involvement So it's is it part of that or? Yeah. So I mean, I I started <coughs> at Inventive a bit over three years ago, and uh, I kind of lucked into working on the framework side of things. Pretty much as soon as I started there, and I've been doing that ever since. Mostly, probably working 70% on Uno and 30% on other uh, shared framework tools that we that we have invented. Yeah. 
That's very interesting. Um, so, uh, some of you might know um, Nick Randolph, who is an Australian developer, does a lot of mobile development, has a company called Built to Roam, and uh, he's been posting on his blog a bit in the last few weeks about uh, email platforms. So that's kind of interesting that, that he's, he's captured his attention. Um, he's certainly looking at that as well. It's all kind of interesting as well that it's like the UWP, the Universal, universal but this doesn't look like it's a bit more universal than um, So next month, uh, it's almost a bit of a, it's a nice um, mirroring of, of this month in that we're, we're going on with the DevOps a bit and with Docker, and then uh, we'll be diving into Blazor, so more WebAssembly next month, so we'll be uh, high-performance execution uh, in the browser. I don't know if I've been listed down, so maybe we'll have... Uh, Windows XP maybe then? <laughs> 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 there you go. So back again next month, and I, I believe we will be in uh, this room next month. I'll, I'll make sure, double check that the room is the, the correct booking, um, so you won't have to go to the, the business law lecture next door. Um, so I'll take requests for the band that's going to be playing. <laughs> 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 I actually went and saw a band perform like that something I'm going to do last weekend. I ended up getting earplugs from the bar. <laughs> <laughs> it was that kind of band. Uh, anyway, enough of that. Um, and actually, oh, speaking of music, um, Marty did actually turn up, uh, who I thought was going to come to the start of the meeting. He was here. Uh, he's found a developer for his startup, so he's happy. He doesn't mean to fool for anyone else, but uh, that, that's a good story. So I'm all the best for uh, his idea, which is secret. Maybe we'll hear a bit more about that later on when it becomes something real. Anyway, thanks for coming. Have a good night and see you next month.